Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 118 Kith, the Night Hag Shopkeeper. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining April Hill's table in the Levitating Platter. everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of sidekicks and side quests the best unofficial dungeons and dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion i've got a wonderful guest for you this week but before we get to my guest you know i got to do my ad read from plus one exp so you know my good buddy tony vicinda is the brains behind the operations there at plus one exp and he has a brand new subscription service that he would like you to know about and to give a try. It's called RPG Zine Club. It's a monthly membership subscription service uh, that's featuring fresh zines from emerging and expanding creators across the globe. It's our way of inviting GMs, players, and zine lovers everywhere to invest more intentionally in the creative community. So what it has to offer are monthly releases where they put out two 20 to 44 page saddle stitch zines and there's three different kinds of membership whether you are interested in story zines adventure zines or both you can pick your format of print and digital together or just digital of your favorite titles and there is an exclusive area on the discord server of plus one exp called the clubhouse where you can talk about titles your subscriptions guarantee you the best price for each title during the month it's released as well private subscription portal where you can manage your subscription add products or change your information you can change the frequency in which you'd like to receive these games whether you want to be monthly or any other variation of time you only get what you want so if this month's release isn't your jam pause for a month and pick it back up and if you miss a month, why, you can add recent titles to your month's order as well. Annual surprise, get a special surprise each February after your first anniversary. That's pretty cool. You know, access to interviews, how to play videos, and special content for Zine Club. Of course, there is the RPG Zine Club passports that come with this program. And if you uh, redeem your passport at a convention where Tony's at, you can redeem it for a slice of pizza. Of course, you know, this whole endeavor is seeking to partner and work with new as well as your favorites uh, within the indie scene. It's DIE focused as well, you know, trying to champion diversity, inclusion and equity in, in projects and getting to work with creators with diverse experiences that help to make the community better. Again, there's just so much information I can sit here and read to you. Uh, but if you want to learn more, the best place that you're going to go to find out that information is at rpgzine.club again rpgzine.club and that's part of as well if you go to the website plus1exp.com when you're on that website and you need an affiliate code to put in the box to get a discount on your beard balms lip balms or beard rpgs or whatnot make sure you type in the code randolph at checkout again on the website plus1exp.com and make sure you check out the brand new rpgzineclub rpgzine.club all right and without further ado, I'd like to go ahead and allow my guests to introduce themselves. So hello, mystery contestant. Would you care to tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? 
Hi. Uh, yeah, sure. My name is April Hill. I am the community manager for Modifius Entertainment. I am also a professional voice actor and professional game master. Um, I do all kinds of stuff. I do. I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats, but that that's the main stuff, I guess. Okay. I know you've had an opportunity to run a few Fallout RPG games on Twitch for my yeah. my friend and colleague, uh, Leroy Tut. Yeah, he Leroyal is so such. It was so funny. We were um, talking about Leroyal the other day to um, right after one of the Fallout streams. Um, I don't remember why his name came up, but uh, uh, we were telling one of our new friends that just started playing with us about uh, him, and uh, we were like, "Hey." Uh, yeah, like you need to go check out his TikToks because um, the friend we were telling is like big into TikTok and content creation. So we're like, you have to go check him out. He's like hilarious, real cool dude and all that. So yeah, I yeah. love that guy. <laughs> and, you know, the official stunt double for uh, Kevin Hart. So, you know, pretty cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And uh, super excited to get to talk to you today as we lead into the next question here of do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? Yeah, I'm a professional. People pay me to play sometimes, but I also just like to play with my friends and have fun and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I've been playing D&D for a while now. Cool. So how did you get your start? Well, uh, <laughs> my I've got a group, a core group, I guess, home group friends uh, that my local friends, I guess you would say, like I've got mm -hmm. friends all over, but my local friends, we've been playing games for a long time and gosh, like for over a decade now. And um, I've always wanted to play, but I grew up in a super small town in Texas and it wasn't a thing. Uh, mm. my, which I, like one of my, I think one of my high school boyfriends, his family played and I was always like, oh, I want to play. I want to play. But then we broke up and then, you know, it was a Taylor classic. Song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so never got the opportunity to play, but then my friend group, um, cause we were playing weekly, we played board games, card games weekly, had weekly get togethers. But then, uh, my friend group was like, Hey, we should start a D and D campaign. You know, fifth edition's about to come out. Uh, it'd be the perfect time to jump in on this. And so we decided we were going to start playing and, um, several of the guys in my group, uh, had played before. And so it was really great, you know, having people, mentors, which I, I joke all the time that my two friends that are DMs, like we all three of us take turns now DMing for the rest of the group. And we've got a group of like eight people. So this mm -hmm. is like Joe Maganello sized D&D &D stuff going on when we play. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like awesome. I joke all the time, but they're, they're my mentors and they taught me everything. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we started playing and then I loved it so much that I was like, I want to run this. I have to be the storyteller. And I, I did storytelling, UIL storytelling in school. I've always mm. liked storytelling and writing and stuff like that. So it was just something that I was naturally drawn to. Awesome. And then my curiosity, you know, having mentioned the Royal and some of these Fallout games and Modifius, who is yeah. the publisher for the tabletop game version and board game for the Fallout world. So what made the leap over that a ways? I had just been introduced to the streaming group uh, by another friend who was like, hey, have you ever thought about playing um, on stream before? And I was like, yeah, you know, sure, I'd love to. So I started um, playing Dungeons and Dragons on stream with them. And they were like, hey, would you want to run a stream? And I was like, are you kidding me? Of course. But I was noticing that, and it's very much the same still now, uh, the market at the time, I guess if you want to call it market, or um, it was very saturated with just Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons, which we love D&D, right? Like mm -hmm. D&D is great, but it was saturated with D&D games. And I was like, you know what? I love Fallout and... It'd be really cool if I did a post-apocalyptic style D&D game, but make it fall out. And then I Googled it and there was somebody that had put out a non-licensed D&D um, <laughs> adaptation for Fallout. And so I was like, hey, I found this great system. Like, I, it'd be really fun to use and let's do that. So we got a group together, uh, amazing people, and <laughs> we started playing Fallout but 5e rules with this mm -hmm. non-licensed, you know, adaptation. And uh, it was a lot of fun. But then all of a sudden, uh, I start hearing about Modifius and that they were coming out with a licensed tabletop game for this. 
with a system that I I had played Fallout Wasteland Warfare, so I knew who Modiphius was, mm-hmm. and that's how I found out that they were putting out a tabletop game for it. Because I've been a Fallout fan for a long time, so when I mm-hmm. found out they made a skirmish game for it, I was like, ooh, with miniatures, I wanted it. So we got that. And then when I found that they were actually putting out a, an official game, we halfway through the season jumped over and started using, you know, we started using their system. So we had to change everything and love the system. And that's that's kind of how I got in with Modifius too. And now I'm working for them because I'm a big cheerleader for products that I like and people that I like and, and stuff like that. So I, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't a cheerleader, but like in the social media world, I guess, as a community <laughs> manager, I am a I am the cheerleader for brands and people and friends and stuff. So, yeah. So is it a really good uh, cross-pollination between the two games? Because I figure, yeah, because you were explaining that the skirmish, you know, tabletop, mm-hmm. like miniature war game itself mm-hmm. came out first before the actual licensed TTRPG. So mm-hmm. it, it sounds like there's pretty good cross-pollination. The idea of like, oh, if you play this and collect more pieces, then that means you have more miniatures that you can use in your game. Yeah, and so for the 2D20 system, it's meant to be... For the most part, it's designed to play theater of the mind style, but I, being a miniatures lover and tabletop lover and somebody that loves physical sets, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, no, 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 we are using, and that's what I did, we are using miniatures for the tabletop game because they make miniatures for the skirmish game. But we're going to use them for tabletop. And it was fine. And people, uh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like you said, it, there's a lot of cross-pollination between fandoms of the skirmish game and the tabletop game. But we are now coming out with um, another game that we just recently uh, recently announced a couple months ago now at ModCon. Uh, so we're having uh, Nuka Ooh. World. So that's coming out. And it's going to be another miniatures game, but not. It's different than the skirmish game. It's more it, not board game style. It's different, but lots of new miniatures, lots of new cool cards and, and things like that. And yeah. And so now if you're running like a Fallout 4 style TTRPG campaign, now it's like, great. Now we can go to Nuka World now. We can go fight the Raiders of Nuka World or whatever. Yeah. And we've got some really cool STLs coming out for um, and we've we've already put out several STLs like for Cappy and Bottle and scenery for new Coca-Cola world. So listeners of this podcast will know that I'm a big 76 player. So I, I enjoy, you know, when I have free time uh, to play that game and to be all things fallout and all that. And I ha- I know I have my book on my bookshelf, but it's just, I can't find any friends to sit and play the game. I have, you know, even to sit down long enough to like read it all and absorb it all. Cause I admittedly myself did make my own five E hack version of fallout as well that i was like i wonder if this is good i tried to you know go through wikis and cobble numbers together and i'm sure it was all kinds of wonky but that's awesome yeah and uh, hopefully like i was able to do through twitter x at one point in time letting our previous guest of the show kenneth vigue who runs the chad fallout 76 Mm -hmm. podcast being like hey you know fallout for hope maybe you should try and get april to run some uh ttrpg campaigns uh with uh, like a one shot or something like that with maybe some of the chad characters or something like that that'd be kind of fun yeah we we've talked before uh last year i went to my ceo and i was like hey there's this really cool uh fundraising group that they're all about fallout all about love you know sharing the love and raising money for for good causes and and things like that and he's like yeah absolutely get us involved with that so i hit them up and yeah we've we've done we've done some things but not on the scale that i would like to so who knows maybe well, that, we, we will know. we will say our <laughs> prayers and our hopes and our petitions and then eventually we can make something like that happen so yeah. <laughs> awesome well i mean i could sit here for hours and just talk <laughs> fallout and all that but Same. let's go ahead and we'll continue with the questions of the show and we'll ask do you happen to have a favorite NPC, mm-hmm. whether they're from a video game, RPG, maybe movie, film, television, etc.? And why is this character your favorite NPC or sidekick character? Garrus. Mass Effect. Garrus. Favorite. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no elaboration needed. Freaking Garrus. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just I love the Mass Effect series, which, yeah, it's a great series. I've played Mass Effect probably i think the same amount of times i've played skyrim i've gone through skyrim i think four times to completion like i'm a completionist 
So I think I've done Skyrim to completion four times and with all DLC and stuff uh, and Mass Effect, all four of them. No, the fourth one, I think I only played through once. I only got a chance to play through it once, but the one, two, and three I've played through like uh, at least three times. Or, yeah. So, but the thing is also I've been playing Baldur's Gate lately. So Baldur's Gate, man, it is slow. Man, I think it might, because I'm in act three. I'm making my way through it because like I said, I'm a completionist. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I am slowly making my way through the game. And he, I've got, yeah, like Karlak and Asterian, man, Mm. they are just like really good. Like, I just, I just rest. Oh, I don't want to give any spoilers. Well, it's been out long enough. (laughs) <laughs> now people can about, google about things and there's all sorts of clips on youtube of and videos yeah. of like this is the path you should take if you want to get the best ending for this character kind of a thing yeah. but i just got to um really get uh, minsk and boo which mm. is obviously like big in D and so it was really cool like getting to interact with them on boulder skate 3 yeah voiced by matthew mercer who also voiced <laughs> what's his face mccready in uh mm-hmm. fallout 4 yep yep I'm sadly an Xbox player, so I'm going to have to wait until Baldur's Gate 3 becomes available on Xbox One. Oh, well, that (laughs) point aside, the next question that we'll ask here is, do you happen to have a favorite side quest, either from RPG, video game, movie, television show, piece of literature, etc.? And why is the side quest or B-plot element your favorite? Oh, well, once you said, like, once you expanded that into (laughs) uh, TV and books, I've been getting really into listening uh, audiobook-wise and uh, Sarah J. Mass. And uh, I started with Akatar, then went to Crescent City, and now I'm in Third of Glass. And uh, the Akatar Nesta book, which it's been out for a while, so spoilers, there's a Nesta book. That book... Whew, which is kind of like it's a it, it's basically a side quest because this the, the story the whole time with Akatar was about this main character and her story and then all of a sudden you get her sister's story in one of the later books and oh man because everybody hates the sister the whole the whole time the whole series you hate the sister why is she the way she is I hate her and then you get her book and it's like she's my favorite character and yeah, that would that would be it. When you can turn, when, and that's with any game too, any game mm-hmm. or any show or anything like that. When you can turn a character that you have led me into hating. I mean, you know, Game of Thrones has done this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you can take this character that I am that you've led me into hating, and then all of a sudden you make that my favorite character that I love so much, and if you do anything wrong to them, I will be very angry at you. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that I love that. I love when people do that. That's brilliant to me. Brilliant writing. So, yeah. And then the way that we end the personal interview section is we ask the question of what are you passionate about and why? Oh, in the in the tabletop realm? <laughs> Just in general. What are you passionate about and why? Obviously, so storytelling. I love storytelling. I've always loved storytelling my entire life. I think that storytelling is something that bring uh, storytelling and gaming um, is something that brings people together across, you know, all over the world. Because I mean, that's you know, right now I make friends with people. I've got friends all over the world through gaming and it's just something so pure and wholesome. And that I, I, it, it just makes my heart so sad when I see people, uh, gosh, um, I saw this TikTok the other day of somebody in office who we will not talk about their name but they're like why are these people like doing these things these things are so childish like you don't do secret handshakes and stuff like that that's so that's so childish and I'm like but why why do you have to grow up why do, why do you have to stop playing I think when you stop playing that's when you get old and sad and depressed and I don't want to do that I want to play forever like why why do we have to stop playing I don't think that anybody should ever stop playing because it brings people together and it it keeps your brain young so yeah. Very passionate about that. <laughs> awesome. All right. And so now having had the opportunity to get to learn more about my guest, I think it's time we head into a segment called NPC Creation. <laughs> and 
NPC Creation is brought to you by you, uh, the podcast audience, and our patrons from Patreon, most importantly. So at this point in the show, we'd like to give a shout out, a toast to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, our queen of the Patreon, Goblin Katie, a.k.a. Katie Downey, as well as our wealthy patrons, including Anson Jablinski, Nicholas Cartarelli, and my mom and dad, we say cheers. Again, all these folks are awesome. They donate at least $2 or more a month to get that shout out. And for reaching the $4 level a month, they get to add an element of chance to our random tables, which we might get to use here today. So if you want to learn more information about this awesome Patreon community, get plugged in and get early listens to our Parlays at the Platter episodes before they go public, if you want to get world building notes for some new interesting D&D sub races and stuff like that, all of that is on the Patreon. And where can you go to find that, you ask? Well, you just go to the show notes below, you go to the podcast website, or you just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to learn more about our tiers and help us expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. Okay. So in this point of the show, kind of like a twist on a Bethesda game or any other TTRPG, Baldur's Gate 3, of course, where everyone has to spend required minimum two hours in character creation. We're going to truncate that a little bit and now just do that for an NPC that conceivably we'd be able to stick in any Dungeons and Dragons game. So the question I have for you is, are we making a character from scratch using random tables? Do you have an idea that you wanted to bring to us? Or are we doing a combination of both? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's cool. I. So is this? Uh, so it's NPC. So are you going to use this NPC? <laughs> like, what are you? Conceivably. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Hmm. If you don't want to worry about a personal character of yours that you have much affection for, you could totally just use our random tables. We'll walk through the questions and we'll roll dice for most of them, and then. We'll have a completely randomized NPC. Oh, yeah. No, I've got I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Okay, you have an idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will just remind you that the tables are there. So if you're stuck and you can't think mm-hmm. of something, then we can roll a dice. But otherwise, I guess we'll work off of this framework uh, that you have in mind. And we will begin then and ask the first question. What is the name of the character? Kith. K-Y-T-H. Kith. K-Y-T-H. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, that's every character that I ever make has K-Y, has Kai in the name. Every single character I've ever ever played has that in their name. And I've, I've made like over 30 characters. <laughs> okay. So just yep. Kith. We're just going to stick with Kith for now. Yep. 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 Perfect. Okay. What is the ancestry of this character? It's a hag. She's a night hag. Ooh. Okay, Kith yeah. the Night Hag. Yeah. At first, I thought you were going to say Night Rider, and I was like, "That is a completely different direction for this podcast." But <laughs> I wouldn't say no to it. But mm-hmm. Kith the Night Hag. Okay. And mm-hmm. then let's see. What is the job or role in society that Kith the Night Hag has? Oh, chaos. She has her own shop, but um, where she will sell you things that you really 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 want for a price interesting so so a shopkeeper that we're finding like in a civilized area or like in a wildland scenario or i don't know where do you envision her being on an island on an island by the sea uh where there are sailors and people coming to trade and a lot of trade going on and stuff like that where people are looking for good deals and uh, just, you know, like at a, a port of call. And that's where she does her deals. She just loves corrupting people and, and making that. They're like, oh, she's like, oh, you really want this? It's going to cost you. And it's going to cost something very dear to them that's going to just like, it's going to change that, that, that player's character in some way. Interesting. Not for the good, though. Not for the good. <laughs> mm, okay. So then we're imagining, okay, that she's a shopkeeper. Or she runs her own shop on a adjacent island to like some sort of port. Yes. Okay, cool. All right, I can dig. And then let's see. Uh, how old is the character? It's very old. So like <laughs> ancient? 
Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say ancient. Uh, elder, but it, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so an elder ranged character. Okay, mm-hmm. she's very well established and very well set in her ways. So she's well known to the community. Like there's like fables about her. Like oh, don't mm-hmm. if you if you're desperate, that's when you go to the island and get something. But like you're, it's going to cost mm-hmm. you to do it, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And and she's she's good enough to where some people her reputation people usually think that they're not being corrupted. They think they got a good deal, but she changes them and they don't see, they often don't see that something's changed in them with what the deal was. And so they're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. I would definitely work with this person again. Mm. Little did they know. (laughs) Mm. Okay. So now is a point where we, you know, if you had been rolling dice, I would get to say, Mm -hmm. now we get to take a pause from the dice because now the question is, describe the physical appearance of Kith, the night hag shopkeeper. Mm -hmm. She has got very oily, dark purple skin uh, with strings of green hair uh, just hanging down from her face, but she doesn't really care about her appearance. That's not what makes her tick. And she doesn't really care much about her physical appearance as she does mm. her goals. Her goals are what gives her life and stuff. And so, um, so she does look very just menacing and old and ragged and, um, she's got very long cracked fingernails. So no efforts into illusionary magics to make her look more attractive or, you know, likable to people. Nope. She is who she is. And she's she's good with that. Okay, so she looks very much like when I envision a night hag, like she looks the part. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, And is there anything else like descriptive as far as like her shop or her or, or anything else? Maybe the shop is beautiful. Interesting. It's the it's the polar opposite of, of oh. her. So where she looks, because that's what her goals revolve around her shop and her dealings. And so that looks impeccable. She looks very out of place in here, but this is her establishment, um, mm. which is kind of jarring when you first meet her. You're like, yeah. wait, you're the owner of this place? You're like, I thought you were going to be need to be kicked out, but no, this is hers. And so it's very- interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kind of like a Venus flytrap of like, oh, look at the sweet smelling honey of the shop of like, wow, I'm going to find a great deal. Then it's like, mm-hmm. like a night hag is just behind the counter, like, welcome to my shop. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And so it's got it's got you confused in your head where you're like, this is a really nice place. I want to do business with this. But then you see this decrepit old, like ancient looking, you know, hag. And you're like, wait wait, maybe I'm doing them a favor by doing a deal. I don't know. Like it's got, it's got mind tricks and that's, that's her, that's her MO is the mind tricks. I see. And then if we had to describe Kith, the night hag shopkeeper with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Persuasive, conniving, and evil. (laughs) Very evil. Pretty much a normal shopkeeper anywhere in the world. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Okay. Now is the part in the script where I'm like, and now we get to go back to dice rolling if that's what you're wanting to do. So we like our NPCs to have cool things on them. So Mm -hmm. what is a valuable item, piece of lore, secret, or ideal or concept that the character would ascribe to? If you want to randomize it, it's a D4 for the category and then a D6 for the particular thing. Or if you got a couple, since you've kind of been on a roll, uh, it's whatever. <laughs> no, you know what? I'll take out some dice, a D4 and a D6. We'll, we'll, we'll play with some dice. We'll do a mix. Yeah. All right. I've got a three and a six. Three and a six. So three is a category of a secret. And then number six was suggested by previous guests. Alyssa Vischer, and the secret that Kith, the night hag shopkeeper, has is thus. They have a Feywild shard that causes random magical effects, and then conceivably you would use like a wild magic table. That sounds so appropriate for her. That sounds so appropriate. So appropriate for her. (laughs) Is this an item that's just sitting in her shop, or she just has on her person all the time? Oh yeah, no, she just has it. That, that's hers. That's hers. She doesn't part with that. She's like, this is mine. <laughs> okay. 
forgive me if I'm wrong, you know, maybe the written down lore says like, oh, hags come from the Feywild and stuff like that. Is it like, a, oh, this is my memento from home kind of a thing? Mm. Or she just happened to trade for it and she knows how valuable it is because, you know, yeah. she's a hag and it's the Feywild and kind of a thing. Yeah, I would think that it holds some personal significance to her. So maybe she did a deal with somebody, one of her first deals. Mm. Yeah, one of her first deals ever. And this was, um, this is something that somebody wanted really, really bad. And uh, the the way she corrupted their soul and got them to do something, maybe that, like, it was too much for them. And it, it ended up overcoming, you know, taking them over and overcoming them. And she was able to get this item back. And now she carries it like a souvenir. Mm. As a, ha, this is my first big deal where I truly just really messed someone up. She loves it. Okay. And then what does this object look like? Like, is it something large or is it like something like that could easily fit like in the palm of a hand or a pocket or something like that? Yeah, I would think it'd be like kind of like dog whistle size. Okay. And is it like literally a whistle or is it like a piece of stone or or something else? I'm just curious. Or are you just going to leave it open? I, no, I like the idea of it being like a, a dog whistle, but not maybe not necessarily a dog whistle. She's by the ocean, so maybe it's some kind of a um, oh, like a sailor whistle, like the yeah. uh -huh. the one they do. Okay, yeah. So it literally is that, uh, and it happens to be a, a shard of literal Feywild, mm -hmm. or made manifest into it, or like changed into it, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like every time she plays it the DM gets to roll on a random uh, wild magic table and then some effect happens. Yeah, that that's cool. I like it so much. Okay, so <laughs> she just has it around her neck yeah. of all her baubles and like mm -hmm. teeth and skeletal fingers and whatever else. And then if someone's getting uppity, she just pulls the whistle up and blows it. And then like some wild magic effect happens. Suddenly a bunch of toadstools sprout out everywhere on the people and then they freak out because they're like ah or whatever yeah, they, they didn't want to do a deal with her so you know there are consequences okay very cool so then people assume that it's like her just being magical they don't realize that it's like this item that she has because it's a secret obviously she wouldn't mm -hmm. want to like go around advertising it perhaps yeah but yeah okay very cool and then let's see now we come to the piece de resistance we need to figure out what's going to be a side quest that Kith, the night hag shopkeeper, would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on her behalf. If you have an idea, <laughs> you can let us know. Or if you want to, again, try rolling a dice, you can roll a d12 and see what we get. <sighs> let me see. Yeah, a d12. You know what? We'll do that for some inspiration. And maybe just like with this, it'll we'll give it some... Um... But okay. That's an eight. Eight. This answer was provided by previous guest, Super Geek Mike Christensen of the YouTubes. It says, <laughs> prevent the visiting bard from being kidnapped by cultists in the middle of a performance. Thoughts? Yeah, I did some uh, those those cultists are actually they've they've done some deals with me and they have not made good on the on some of those deals and this is my way of messing with them <laughs> by getting this bard out of trouble so that hopefully that bard will then come to me and I'll be like yes I got you out of that trouble and um mm. and not knowing that it was because of a previous deal but now I'm gonna get this bard in a deal with me two birds one stone so this is happening like in the port town proper and so when you go to visit her, she just happens to know like, hey, this visiting bard is coming into town and going to play at the tavern. And I happen mm -hmm. to know because of my being a night hag or my deals or whatever that like these cultists are going to try and go interrupt the performance. And I need you to protect that bard. So maybe the players are suspicious about that, but maybe also they're good and they're like, oh, well, we can't let something bad happen to the bard. So, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool that there's layers to this uh, potential side quest there. <laughs> always looking for the best deal gotta get everybody so we have to consider what's going to be the reward for success in the side quest the players go to this bard's performance the cultists crash it and the party successfully fights them back you know makes them flee or whatever they report back with kith that like 
hey, the bard's performance went great. All all good. Uh, what's going to be the reward for the party? A discount deal for them. <laughs> okay, so a discount deal at her shop. But then again, it's still a shop that's going to have some pretty heavy strings attached. Yeah, instead of losing like one of your core memories, one of your core happy memories, that's instead of that being a price that you pay, maybe you just give me a happy memory that's happened to you in the past five years instead of one of your core memories that makes you you. Maybe maybe I'll just, instead of doing that for, you know, a cool item in my shop, I'm going to be like, no, you know what, just a really happy memory that you've had in the past five years and I'll take that as payment. Interesting. Okay. In the doing of the side quests, the idea is that the players are supposed to let the bard that they're protecting know that like, hey, Kith, the shopkeeper sent us to come protect you kind of a thing as well. Mm-hmm. And they should be they should be very grateful. I heard, you know, maybe maybe I spin it that, you know, I heard that they were, um, you know, one of the they were one of the up and coming artists of, mm. of the island. And I wanted to show my appreciation for the arts and for music by uh, by, you know, just looking out for them and then heard that somebody was going to be attacking them. So I was trying to help get them out of harm's way. I see. Okay. Okay. And then that's where the bait is set for that other NPC character to then get in debt with Kith then, it seems. Yeah, because I'm a good agent. And if they really, really want to go far with their bard skills and really be well known, I can help with that. We can make a deal. (laughs) I love, I love doing stuff like this. I can hear the mental wheels spinning. You're like, okay, where am I going to stick this night hag in my game now the next time we play? So, oh, yeah, can... hags are one of my favorite. Hags are one of my all-time favorite um, creatures or, you know, people to put into lore. We also have to consider the opposite. What is going to be the consequence of failure? The bard gets killed. The bard gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Whatever failure in that regard means. Or... They refuse to do the side quest put before them. What's going to be the consequence in either of those kinds of situations? Oh, if the bard gets killed? Hmm. Let's see. I've got many people coming into my shop. I'm going to be able to send somebody out after them. Make sure that they know that they can't double cross me. I hired them for this job. And if they can't deliver on it, then it's going to be a bad day for them. So now the shopkeeper becomes a reoccurring villain. If the players like let the bard get killed, they skip town or they just refuse. They're like, whatever, we don't care about a bard. But then because in her mind, it's like, well, no, you agreed to do this. And now Mm -hmm. I'm a reoccurring villain sending minions after you until maybe she just has to come deal with them herself or something like that. Yeah, if you make a deal with me, it's been a deal. You make a deal with me. Um, so yeah, or or maybe, you know, in the fine print, if they agree to do this contract for me, maybe because, you know, hags like, you know, deals. So um, maybe there's like a big, long, fine print <laughs> contract that they have to sign. And in the fine print, maybe she gets their soul or something. I don't know. Um, or Whoa. their or they or possession of like their entire identity and they become, I don't know, faceless or something. Uh, it'd be it'd be interesting to uh, put that in a contract if they don't make good on something that they've been hired for. Okay. So obviously big failure conditions if the bard gets killed or the hag goes out of her way to explain this situation, the side quest to the party, and then they refuse. She goes into, well, now I'm a reoccurring villain until the players come back to deal with her somehow and either get out of the contract or do something of that fashion. So it sounds like you just kind of lead into another adventure if like, as the side quest said, you know, the cultists are trying to kidnap the bard. You know, if they're not able to stop them at the performance, then it becomes another adventure of like, okay, well now we have to go chase after the cultists and like try and go rescue this bard. And then I guess you get the same success conditions from that. But I don't know if, the cultists kidnap the bard and then they disappear to regions unknown. They plane shift away or do something that makes it really inaccessible to get the bard. Is that a different sort of failure or is it the same like, oh, now I'm a reoccurring villain because of your quote unquote incompetence? 
it would depend on what deals had been made with them and and stuff like that. So if they just come in and I try to give them this quest and they're like, no, but they don't take any of my deal. They don't take any of my items and don't make any deals with me. I mm-hmm. mean, like, meh, okay, bye. Uh, on to the next, you know, shop uh, patron. But sure. yeah, but if they take full advantage of discounts and deals and stuff like that, then um, she would be, yeah, she'd be hunting them down and making sure that they pay. Well, now that we've had the opportunity to learn more about Kith, the Night Hag shopkeeper, I think it's time we throw her into a random encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by Zencaster. Of course, Zencaster is the platform that I'm using now to be able to acquire recordings for my interviews. It is a great alternative from what I used to use uh, back in the olden days of the podcast. And I'm so grateful to my buddies, Dane and Benjamin over at the Dispel Magic podcast for turning me on to this service. Of course, you've heard me mention and talk about Zencaster a couple of times in some of these ad read breaks. And uh, hopefully by now, you know, the story and all the good talking points. Um, But you know what? They gave me a script, so I'm going to stick with that. So, you know, it's easy super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser, you start recording a high quality podcast right away. You can record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. That is certainly what I appreciate about Zencaster is that they put so much consideration into this. So I never have to worry again about if a connection drops or if someone's laggy or there's just, you know, some gremlins working in the machines uh, against us. I always have that confidence of knowing that I'll be able to get my recordings later. You can definitely sound your best. And if you've worried about what you might sound like, uh, if you're ever on a podcast, why Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes the ums and ahs in your recordings, and it removes those awkward pauses and conversation too. Just set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. It's all in one. If you have thought about starting a podcast, you know, who isn't these days in 2023 going into 2024 and you thought you needed a bunch of stuff, you know, it's the holidays coming up and you're like, oh my goodness, do I need to put a $500 microphone on my Christmas Amazon list? I don't know. Well, those days are done. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and you can distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and all the other major destinations. So taking a bunch of headache out of the analysis paralysis of you wanting to start your podcast this holiday season go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code side kq podcast and you'll get 30 percent off your first month of any zencaster paid plan i want you to have the same easy experiences i do for all my podcasting and content needs it's time to share your story thank you so much to the sponsor and back to the podcast This is now the segment where we get to do a little bit of a role play, a little bit of a vignette, a scene, if you will, with Kith, the Night Hag shopkeeper. And the question becomes, who should I be in the scene? Obviously, I think you're going to do a fabulous job of portraying Kith. But the question becomes, (laughs) who am I going to be? Am I going to be one of my adventurer characters uh, that steps into the scene to get the side quest? Uh, Is it Kith just making a deal with the cultists and then that sets up the impetus uh, for this side quest? Is it going to be, we were mentioning the secret item that she has. Is it going to be some sort of like final scene between the original owner of that Feywild shard uh, before she gets it back? Or or what kind of scene are you interested in portraying her in? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe the initial meeting. The initial meeting with the cultists? Or going after the bard, like hiring the people, hiring you, maybe. I don't know. You want to meet a, a podcast character and give them the side quest to go basically do the, the bodyguard uh, with this bard. I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think would be? I'm not sure. I've never done a little mini, mini little thing like this. 
It's whatever you feel like you're going to do the best justice in a little short vignette of giving a voice, a life, a presence to Kith. So when people listen to this, they'll know like, oh yeah, I got it now. And now I know how Kith is supposed to work. Okay. Hmm. Certainly the easiest could be, you know, meeting one of the pre-established podcast characters. But if you, you know, if you're up for it with uh, figuring out why the uh, cultists have reneged on some sort of deal and are getting desperate to kidnap bards or whatever. Yeah, sure. Okay, so you want to do the one with the cultists then? Sure, yeah. All right, so we open up on the port town and then the adjacent little tiny island. Uh, it's still like walkable to there. Like there maybe is like some shallow shoals uh, or something like that. You know, maybe a dirt path through the sand or something like that to really get to this little shop that's kind of nestled away from the, the hustle and bustle of the life of the port town. But there is, it's night. Obviously, it's a good time for a night hag. We zoom in to the interior of the beautifully decorated and well-kept shop. And you can see there are these sinister figures in, we'll say, burnt orange robes. Their hoods are up and stuff like that. They're trying to be all mysterious and stuff like that. And so there's like some sort of argument or back and forth going on with Kith. And so the cult fanatic, I guess, who's the leader of this little band, will just be like, you promised us that this thing would bring us success and it's done nothing but hinder our progress. I say the deal is forfeit. You cannot turn back on a deal with me. You signed a contract. Your name is written in blood right there. But if I were to summon a devil lawyer... I'm sure I could find some sort of loophole in this contract. No, absolutely not. There is no lawyer that I think could touch one of my contracts. This is a sole contract, and if you go back on it, there are clear terms in the fine print if you would have read it, but you were so eager to make the deal with me on this that I believe you forgot to read it. Uh, the cult fanatic leader gets a little bristled at that. Maybe even now takes the bravado to kind of put his hood back. And so we'll say you see like a half elf or something like that. And he'll just kind of like, well, I technically wasn't even the one to sign it. Meh. Sticks his tongue out and then points at one of his lackeys or something like that. He's the one that signed it, not me. And then the other one looks like, what? But you just you just said I had to look at something and it, you wanted me to point to something. That was me signing something? Shut up. Hmm. Is he your superior then? Is that why he was the one that signed it and was one, supposed to be the one that read the contract but didn't? No, he's my lackey. I make him sign all my documents for me. It's just it's a cult formality. What a pity that your underlings then do not respect you. Maybe if you were a bit more charismatic, or maybe you had a more commanding presence, they would listen to you and maybe you would get a promotion. But no, no, instead you have this sniveling piece of flesh that doesn't even respect you enough to read things before they sign contracts in your name. What a shame. You could be so much more. Yeah, I think his ego is like getting the best of him. He's like, you know, this is the, the unhinging of him. And he'll just be like, no, I think we will move forward uh, with the dissolution of this agreement. And then he looks over at his lackey that he called out and he'll be like, that is all for you. You may, you may go. And then he, he like looks at the rest of his underlings and says, yes, I think, yes, that bard, that nobody that is not anyone important in this town, we're going to make plans. Yes, we're going to make plans. We're going to kidnap him. He will be our blood sacrifice for the devil lawyer, and you will see us in hell courts. And then does like a, a flip of his hand, and then like a, let's go. And then they all begin to file out of the shop. And so if she's going to say any last things, while they're like 
trying to make like some sort of dramatic exit. Oh, absolutely. I will begin to start using, oh gosh, now the term just like slipped out of my mind. I use it all the time, speaking into their mind and not into the the leader's mind, but into the other one's minds that, uh, oh, wait, if she, like I'll start whispering into their minds that he isn't a great leader, that look how he treats you. And just like she said, maybe if I was a bit more charismatic, like she's re- she's like saying these things into their head, like not as she's speaking them into their head, but as she's making them hear these thoughts in their own voices in their heads, like maybe I could be the captain. Maybe I could be the leader here. Maybe I, if I was just a little bit, so sp- spreading doubt in their minds to think that maybe if they come back and they make a deal, maybe they can be his boss one day and do a way better job than he ever could. So trying mm. to sow that doubt, that seed and, and and stuff in there. So Yeah, so then the cultists are going to proceed forward. The lackeys and the, the underlings all begin to like look at each other. But then the camera will see outside as they exited the shop. He makes a show of like maybe slapping one around and says like, you fools, don't you see? She's a night hag. She will just play tricks on us. She does not know what it is to be a devil. No, no, no. Our Lord was very clear. And he told us that we would not go wrong, but clearly something has gone wrong. And by golly, we're going to get out of this. So a blood, fresh blood sacrifice is what we'll need. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And scene. They're not going to survive this. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. They've got two very powerful entities that they are like, they owe some devil, obviously, uh, some kind of blood sacrifice. And if they don't make good on it, they're on his bad side. And then they're also on my bad side if they don't like do what I'm telling them to do. So they're just in the pickle. They're going to die either way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they thought was a good idea to go to uh, Kith in the first place, but for whatever reason, the cultists needed something from there. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a mystery and dungeon masters out there. You can fill in the blanks, maybe even better than I did. And, uh, and then you can write us on our subreddit or social media or wherever else and tell us what was it, uh, that the, the cultists had to go and see Kith, the night hag for in the first place. So yeah, uh, we did the random encounter. So what did you what did you think of getting to be Kith and bringing a voice and a life to her? I know you said you were quite fond of hag characters, but how does this one stack up? Oh, I love them. I love I love hags. <laughs> They're just so much fun. They're so much fun to role play. I love I love doing I love them and I like her. She's she's fun. Uh, I feel like she could be the antagonist, I guess, for like another, like one of my, my characters, she, she sounds like somebody that I would come up against that I've had dealings with. Mm. Uh, yeah. Definitely sounds like a, an early purveyor of maybe some like too good to be true magic items. And then that's when you tantalize the players with, and then it's like, oh, but it's going to cost you. So if you don't do like the critical role, Lord Esther Haas, sort of like be my, I'll be your benefactor and you can have access to my arsenal of magic items and stuff like that because I'm old and mm-hmm. retired and don't have use for them. This is the more sinister of like, oh, you're a level one character and you want a nine live stealer. Sure, I'll let you have that, but it's going to cost me your firstborn or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Very rumpled stilt skin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Yeah. And then if the players are just like, they don't know any better then they're like, oh, well, you've you've I didn't uh, even want kids. It's yeah. fine. I will never. This deal will never come back to haunt me. Well, I guess, as you said, Kith will always find a way to make good on her deals. So she'll just start throwing partners their way and just be like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, well, I was going to get my firstborn child one way or another. Yep. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so now we're starting to get into what I call the final thoughts section of the show. So yeah, overall, how do you think your time on the podcast was? Good. This is fun. I usually I just get asked questions and it's usually a lot of the same questions, but this was something fun and different. So I really I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I again, like I said, I dig seeing all the fallout stuff that you do and being a community Mm -hmm. manager and champion for Modiphius which I know they do other stuff besides Fallout. It's just, I know that's a thing that we could talk about. I feel like I see <laughs> ads all the time for like 
isn't there something like Octoon Cthulhu or something like that, or the Roman Empire Cthulhu monsters yeah. or something like that? Yeah, we just uh, wrapped up our Kickstarter for Cohorse Cthulhu, which is a Roman-inspired Cthulhu game. Uh, it's in early Roman times uh, where you're, yeah, you're fighting against tentacle monsters and stuff. And then Acton Cthulhu is our World War II uh, set in World War II times Cthulhu game. And another original IP is Dreams and Machines, which just came out. The core books are going to be uh, shipping soon for that, but it's up on pre-order. But yeah, we, we do stuff like for Dune. We make the Dune role-playing game, Star Trek mm. Adventures. We've got Skyrim. We've got the board game and a skirmish game for Skyrim. And we've just got, we've got a lot. We're really good at holding IPs, but also really good at making um, original original IPs and content. So there we go. So as we're here in the the final final seconds, final minutes of the show, I always like to leave the platform, the stage, the soapbox over to the guests. So any other thoughts you have? Where can people find you online? Where do we need to be plugged in to know about all that's going on with Modifius and anything else that you care about or are passionate about? Uh, yeah, so uh, you can find me personally at stiletto underscore assassin on Instagram and stiletto DM on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, those are the two main places, I guess. <laughs> I'm also on like Facebook and um, Blue Sky. So under you can look up the the same the same names there. And um, yeah, and of course, uh, on all the social medias uh, for Modifius, including TikTok. And I'm I'm personally on TikTok as well. But yeah, yeah, do all those things. We and I am currently running a campaign. This is what it's November 1st. So uh, yeah, as of right now, I am running a campaign that's live every Monday on the Modiphius Twitch channel, where we are playing Fallout. We are going through the Winter of Adam campaign book, which is a full campaign book that we um, released not too long ago. And uh, my, my group as of right now is about halfway through it and things are getting interesting. Hmm. Very cool. Well, Miss April, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Can't wait to have you back on making even more NPCs. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. If you don't like using podcast apps and services, I'm proud to announce that I'm in the process of uploading the podcast to our very own dedicated YouTube channel, which you can find by searching for Sidekicks and Sidequests. All future episodes should automatically publish to our YouTube channel. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up-to-date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and the corresponding threads, Twitter, now rebranded X, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. You can now also find a very tiny community on Discord as well. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, simply send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes, five stars if you please, to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. As mentioned in the NPC creation section of the show, I do in fact have a Patreon for the podcast. If you love this podcast and you want to help support us and take our show to the next level, I would appreciate it if you would go to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Modest, comfortable, wealthy, and aristocratic accommodations await, and we welcome all patrons to the Levitating Platter. Seriously, your financial support allows for this passion project to continue to invest in itself through the tools that will take our production to the next level, as well as provide more content for our patrons and the community at large. Please consider supporting me on Patreon if you can. 
Sidekicks and side quests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!